invite you to remain standing a moment longer as we read this morning's gospel text. I'll be reading from the gospel according to John, the 18th chapter, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Ricky and I thought that on this uh, Christ the King Sunday at uh, uh, so many of you have, have uh, responded positively in the past to where we've had uh, conversational sermons. Uh, and so uh, we thought maybe perhaps today that uh, on this Christ the King Sunday that you might also uh, enjoy that opportunity again. You know, Christ the King Sunday, as I mentioned earlier, is the, uh, uh, it, it's, it's a significant day in the life of the church. Often it's overlooked. Uh, where our stomachs are filled uh, with Thanksgiving uh, meals, the, uh, the breaking of bread, the, the traditional uh, gathering of families, uh, sharing of stories and memories. Uh, we're putting up Christmas decorations. Uh, we've, we've faced Black Friday, uh, the shopping, the, the consumerism, all that. And, and here is this, if you will, the last Sunday in the Christian year because Advent... Uh, is the first Sunday in a new Christian year, and that is just the, the tradition of the church. Uh, and so we gather on uh, Christ the King Sunday to do a couple of things. We, we come to acknowledge Christ's sovereignty over all creation. Christ is the King. But we also come to recognize, to remind ourselves, to encourage one another uh, of the individual call that Jesus has upon our hearts. Uh, to be followers, to be faithful believers in who Jesus is as this Christ, as, as, as for the world. Uh, the two passages of Scripture we, we read to you today, the, uh, the, the brief uh, reading from Revelation, you know, that comes at the end of the first century when people who were still trying to understand uh, within the last uh, generation or two of, of what it meant to be a follower, a faithful follower of Jesus, they were in the midst of, of persecution. And so that letter to John of Patmos, excuse me, the letter that John of Patmos penned about his, his uh, dream, his encounter uh, with Jesus was that message to inspire hope uh, in the face of persecution. Uh, certainly this passage of scripture that I read to you just recently from John's gospel, uh, we have uh, uh, Pontius Pilate questioning Jesus uh, prior to Jesus' execution. Uh, and, and so we have these kinds of, of places where we celebrate the fact that Jesus is king. Pilate, of course, was confused by that. Pilate was, uh, found himself in a very political situation, if you will. 
uh, for centuries, uh, Jews had been hoping for a king, probably much like King David had been, a king that could rally them together uh, to eject somehow the occupiers of their land. It happened to be the Roman Empire at the time. And so there was this uh, great animosity, and especially during Passover, uh, which was being celebrated in Jerusalem at the time, uh, there was this great hope that somehow uh, the, somebody would just rise up and, and just throw these Romans uh, out of their country. They were barbaric in a number of ways, uh, ruthless. They had already put down several rebellions. Uh, and so Jesus finds himself being arrested uh, during this Passover celebration. And uh, from previous rebellions, I think people probably had an idea that treason was going to be dealt with, with, with crucifixion, but probably not uh, in the way that this had occurred. I, I see as, as Pilate is questioning Jesus, I see kind of a, a dual thing going on because the Jewish leaders would not have wanted to be inside uh, the praetorium where, where Pilate ruled. Uh, I, I kind of envision the, the, the Jewish leaders on one part of the portico there of the praetorium outside the walls and, and Jesus being on... And so I see Pilate kind of walking back and forth, uh, talking a little bit to Jesus, then going trying to appease the Jewish leadership. Uh, you know, we're led to believe that, uh, uh, that even Pontius Pilate found nothing. I mean, the Scripture tells us that he found nothing wrong with what Jesus had done, even though uh, Jesus allows Pilate to, uh, to acknowledge that he is the king, and yet Pilate ultimately turns him over to the executioners to be crucified. So I kind of see Pilate going back and forth uh, between Jesus and the Jewish uh, leaders, and of course the Jewish leaders want blood. And they want Jesus' blood because he is, a, uh, is, a, uh, is a, a huge obstacle for them and what their hopes and desires are. So Pilate is in this very political uh, kind of situation. Uh, Caiaphas, the chief priest, he has his job and he owes his allegiance to the Romans. That's how Caiaphas is allowed to be the chief priest. So the, the Jewish leadership has this need for the Roman government. Uh, the Roman government needs the Jewish leadership to help control the crowds, especially at Passover when, when people want rebellion. Uh, they want to be freed from slavery to Rome. And, so, and then here is, is Jesus caught up in the middle of all this. Pilate doesn't like the Jews. The Jews don't like uh, the Romans. And here is Jesus with his message of hope uh, that he gives us. Ricky, what are you seeing when you uh, read this story of uh, of uh, Jesus and, the, and this kingship that he brings. Yeah, this is one of the most uh, fascinating uh, scripture passages to me. I, I told Brian this morning I watched uh, Jesus Christ Superstar last night in preparation for this morning. NBC did a new like live action uh, musical earlier this year. And uh, it's, the 70s version is one of my favorites uh, from when I was really young. But I, it, I was struck um, with my sympathy with the character of Pilate here who is really caught in the middle of two worlds. Um, if you notice, Christ the King uh, every two years is the worst Sunday to preach on because it falls uh, every two years, just a couple weeks after our election cycle in the United States. Um, and, and so you see Jesus also being caught up in this political moment, right? Um, where uh, if Jesus has come face to face not only with the political power of Rome, but also with the political power that upholds the oppressive system of those in power even within the Jewish people, um, wielding their power over those uh, who find themselves like looking for food for their families and shelter for themselves and uh, the basic sustenances needed to sustain human life. 
And Pilate is sort of caught in the middle, and, and it dawned on me last night, and then reading this again this morning throughout these couple chapters of John, um, Pilate really doesn't want to crucify Jesus, right? He finds himself stuck in the middle here. And this interaction that he has with Jesus where he says, so are you a king? And Jesus doesn't really quite give him a straight answer. He said, well, well you say that I am. And, and Pilate says, well, then, like, where is your kingdom? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not of this earth. Um, Jesus says it a little bit differently in the Gospel of Luke. There's some scribes and Pharisees that come to Jesus, and they say, uh, like, when? Can you name the moment when the kingdom of God is, is coming so we can be on our best behavior and prepared for it, right? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is, is not coming in things that are easily perceptible, right? The kingdom of God doesn't run on a political platform or in a particular party, but the kingdom of God is, is um, happening so in the minutia that people aren't going to be able to say, oh, look, here it is, and it looks just like that, or here it is, and it looks just like that, because it's so counter to all the political kingdoms of this world that we see. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God is already among and within you, right? It's creeping up from this grassroots movement in people's hearts, like when Jesus says, blessed are the poor, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? These king, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus looks so counterintuitive to all the, the kingdoms and empires and seizures that we see in the world. I think Pilate just doesn't know what to make of it any more than the Jewish leadership does. Right. I, I certainly think Pilate has motives. I mean, Pilate is in the backwater of, of all the appointments uh, of, of uh, uh, Roman leadership. He, he wants to, to score big with Rome so he can get out of there. So whatever it takes, and he can't afford to have any kind of rebellion take place, so he falls prey to this uh, political pressure on him, and, and an innocent person dies uh, because of that, and probably a number of innocent people because uh, the Romans were known to be so barbaric uh, in, in the handling of their rebellions. Ricky, one of the things I read uh, that uh, evangelical researcher George Barna said is, uh, as he conducts research uh, during our time, our generational time, uh, is uh, he said more people, studies show that more people in the United States of America are willing to lay down their life for their country than for their faith. Uh, I think that's a striking thing to say. I have no problem with patriotism. I have no problem with, uh, with, with uh, you know, standing up for, for our country, but for people to put uh, the country before faith and their belief in God and who God is calling us to be, I think that's an important thing that you've raised. Yeah. Uh, for us during our time of, of celebrating Christ as king of uh, not just creation, but of our very lives. Uh, you know, biblical faith uh, insists that we only worship God. God alone is only to be worshipped, and yet so often people put uh, other things. Uh, you, you prayed about Black Friday. Uh, you know, we, we, we are just so, we, we so miss the mark in so many ways, and yet we try to gather regularly. Uh, to get a checkup, a faith checkup. We come to praise God, but it's in our time together uh, when we study in small groups, when we read Scripture together, when we, when we open uh, the written Word of God that we can be shaped by who God wants us to be. And, and nowhere in there is uh, you know, patriotism at the top of the mark. It's God and how God is coming into our life. Uh, Bishop Will Willman tells a story about a... And he said it was a sad story that he shared. Uh, he said that a man came to him and confessed something that had been on his heart for 10 years. This man said that he had had 
a Jesus experience like none other. And, and so Bishop Wilman asked him, he said, what are, you, what are you trying to say to me? He goes, I'm telling you, I had one of those moments that so many Christians yearn for. Uh, the, the, I, I'm convinced that I was in the presence of Jesus Christ who talked to me, who, who anointed me, who, who called me into uh, being a new person. And he confessed to Bishop Wilman that he put that away. He discounted that because he was afraid of what people would say about him. He was afraid of what people would expect from him after having such an experience with God. And Bishop Wilman says for 10 years... He made other things priorities instead of hearing and believing in that experience that the man was convinced he had had with Jesus Christ himself. Friends, I don't know how many times we have encounters with people who may be bearing the message of Christ. I don't know how many times as, as we open up Scripture and read that we encounter Christ in those passages, but I think we're probably all guilty at some point of saying, that's a really good read, or, or maybe that challenges me, and we go down the path of this man that was confiding in Bishop Wilman. And he said, you know, you, you've made other things more important uh, than, than responding to, to Jesus. And I think that, uh, uh, that, that Christ the King Sunday is that opportunity to, to remind ourselves that, that Jesus does want to be the king of our lives. Yeah, I'm always fascinated if you read a little bit further in the story. Pilate brings him back at Jesus back out to the crowds and says, well, here's your king. I, I don't see any reason to put him to death. Uh, do you want me to crucify your king? And, and the crowds shout over and over, uh, we have no king but Caesar. Right? Uh, this, this, like the people of Israel, whose number one commandment is, the Lord, the Lord our God is one. Right? We have no king but Caesar. I think, I think there are so many people um, in our world uh, that, that find them, uh, use the, the inclusive pluralness, uh, so many of us find ourselves entrapped uh, in other kingdoms and uh, 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 attached to other Caesars that are ruling our lives, whether that's a, a political party or our national patriotism or whether that is uh, the, the attachment and bondage to Caesars of drug, drugs and alcohol, um, whether that is the Caesars and kingdoms of our own self-worth or our own self-image or our power and our status or the amount of money that we make or our own safety and security. Um, there's so many things that bind us in this world. What's happening here is, is the Jewish people are also celebrating Passover, which is a remembrance of when God liberated the people of Israel when they were held in bondage to another Caesar named Pharaoh. Right? And God says, you're not meant to live your lives attached uh, with your life force draining away to the kingdoms of this earth, but instead God breaks those chains and leads them to freedom to say, you are a people called to new and abundant life where God is your only king, where God is your only Caesar or Pharaoh above and before anything else. Yeah, I, you know, so we see Jesus before Pilate. A uh, couple of things that just strike me, you know, we, we find it easy to say, well, of course Jesus is not afraid. He's, he's the Son of God. He's, he's God himself. But yet he is dealing with this challenge in a very, I think, peaceful, encouraging manner. And so he responds to these challenges and gives us the sense of being unafraid. The other thing that I find remarkable is when Jesus says, look, those who, who belong to the truth, they are the ones that are going to hear my voice. And so often when we fail to belong to the truth, we don't hear the knock on the door, the door of the knock on our heart. We don't hear the truth of God uh, if we are not a part of God's kingdom. And so I think it's, it's a reminder again 
that, that to hear the truths mean we need to be a part of that truth. That's how we hear the voice of Jesus. If we pretend, if we draw on things that are not of God and make them that priority in life, that's what we'll believe in. We'll listen to our friends who don't want us to be people of faith because they can't tell the jokes they like to tell or, or the lifestyle they want to live. And so we are challenged uh, over and over again. The famous astronaut Neil Armstrong, who was the first man uh, to walk on the moon, you know, th those, those famous words that he utters as he steps onto the, the, the surface of the moon, uh, one small step for man, one leap for mankind. Years later, and by the way, Neil Armstrong was a man of faith. Years later, when he's visiting the old uh, Jerusalem, the old city Jerusalem, and he goes to the Hulda Gate, and, and this is the, the gate that leads up to the Temple Mount, and he's asking the tour guides, did Jesus walk here? And, and the, the people around, the tour guide and the people around, Neil Armstrong, were just, they were fascinated. He's, he's getting really animated about wanting to know whether Jesus walked through this gate going up to the Temple Mount. And the guide said, well, yes, he had to have walked these steps. And, and Mr. Armstrong, why are you so excited? He said, you know what? We're talking about the one who created the moon. We're talking about the one who created the stars. And I can get a lot more excited about being in that place where he was than ever stepping on the surface of the moon. And friends, that just reminds us, you know, when was the last time we got excited about our faith? When was the last time we, we, we were Christ for somebody? You know, uh, many of us can say, gosh, we showed up last Sunday. We were Christ. Yes, thank you. When was, you know, I'll come to Decatur Cares Mobile Food Pantry. Yes, I'll, I'll attend Bible. Yes, we're working on our faith, but it's sad that so many of us have those other kings in our life. We've got... I was, I was laughing, Jason and I were talking about staying up late. I didn't stay up as late as Jason <laughs> did to watch the end of the football game last night. I had to check the news this morning when I got up. But, but we, we are people who, who are out in the world living this life, and the rest of the world watches what we do and what we say. And so people will gauge who the kings are in our lives based on how we live our lives. Our faith ought to be something that just bubbles through our very essence. And so Christ the King Sunday reminds us uh, of this need to make Jesus that priority. What a, what a powerful, not, I can't think of any better way that to end the Christian year and get ready for next year than with Christ the King Sunday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a certain, when we find our, our citizenship first and foremost in the kingdom of God, and God is the one, Jesus is the king, always at the top of the list of the things that vie for our de devotion and attention and our love and loyalty and lives. And there's a certain... Um, response required from us in our own lives, right? First uh, uh, John says that we love because God first loved us, right? There's a certain uh, action and reaction that happens there, and I think um, to tie it into our, our video from First Thing this morning, that's, I think that's part of what we're doing here in helping plant Pecan Street Mission is, is this church uh, who for generations have been a people who have found themselves filled up to your nostrils with the love of God, uh, have felt this need to respond to God's love, to um, go out into the world and proclaim liberation to the people that find themselves in places of bondage, that find themselves tied to emperors and Caesars, that they um, perhaps even know that they are being crushed under. Um, I, I've been walking the streets uh, with, with folks this week for the first half of the week. Uh, we passed out 750 door hanger invitations to all of our neighbors who live within a, about a mile radius of the church property here, inviting them to the launch of Pecan Street Mission. Um, and I've done this three times now. We, we've done three sets of door hangers, one at Easter, one this summer, and a third time uh, 
uh, now preparing for lunch. And, and every single time I find myself in this like, place of discouragement, I'm like, I'm exhausted, my legs hurt, it's really hot, or you know, whatever, I, I don't know if this is making any difference. And then uh, God always surprises me with the most amazing of conversations with strangers um, who the slow work of the kingdom has been at work in their lives long before perhaps either of us ever knew it. I had a conversation with a young woman this past week when we were walking the neighborhood streets who came out and recognized me and said, hey, are you, are you the preacher? I said, yes, ma'am, I certainly am. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we got to talking, and, and, and folks have been talking to her about this new thing that we're doing at Pecan Street Mission and have been inviting her to come check it out. And through this conversation, she said, I've got, I've got two little kids. Would this be an okay place for me to bring my kids as well? I said, absolutely, absolutely. Right? This is someone who has grown up in the church, but like so many folks uh, of a younger generation have found themselves fallen away um, and, and are just deeply longing for the love of God to be made real in their lives, deeply longing to claim their citizenship in the kingdom of God in a community of faith that loves them and pours the love of God into their lives. Um, that is the work that we are about as citizens of the kingdom of God, as followers of King Jesus. We get to be the ones who carry God's love out into the world and invite people into this uh, radical upside-down kingdom work with us. Amen. Let's keep our hearts and our minds focused on that as we prepare to come to the Lord's table. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.